0: Good afternoon, my name is Christina Bauer. I am the Executive Director at Texas Lime Alliance, and I'm interviewing Dr. William Padula of the Padula Institute of Vision Rehabilitation in Guilford, Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Padula.
1: My pleasure, thank you for the interview.
0: Sure, absolutely. A little bit about Dr. Padula. Uh, Dr. Padula is a graduate of Pennsylvania College of Optometry at Salis University and Health Sciences. He's a fellow at the Neuro-Optometric Rehabilitation Association International and the National Academy of Practice. Dr. Padula completed a fellowship at the Giselle Institute, where he was a director of vision research. He was the founding chairman of the Low Vision Section of the American Optometric Association and the founding president of NORA. Um, I noticed that you had founded also the first low vision clinic at the Zhongshan Eye Research Hospital in Gongshu, People's Republic of China, which was named in your honor. That's a wonderful honor. Congratulations. Most people don't
1: get the pronunciation correct. You did a good job.
0: Oh, good. Less editing. I appreciate that. Thank you. So um, you have lectured and consulted internationally in China, India, Italy, Mexico, and more. The programs regarding children's vision related to learning and development and adult vision problems related to stroke, tick-borne illness, and other physical challenges. So we're real excited and a lot of patients that follow my work have been asking all kinds of questions so maybe you could start with telling us a little bit about what you do here
1: certainly the uh, institute was founded in the year 2000 Um, i had a small office and was seeing more and more patients with neurological problems so i needed more space so we opened up the institute and have been seeing people from all over the world with all types of problems from parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, traumatic brain injury, concussion, uh, Friedrich's ataxia, and a number of other conditions that affect patients. Anytime that there is a neurological event, it will affect visual processing. So we've established a program here that analyzes visual processing from a brain's perspective of looking through the eyes as opposed to just looking at eyes in terms of muscle function and acuity. And in so doing, we're able to understand where the dysfunction occurs and then come up with remedies or rehabilitation approaches that begin to bring back the balance in visual processing.
0: Wonderful. Uh, My son and I are patients here now and we're so grateful that you exist because there's so little help out there for this type of um, approach in helping uh, Lyme patients in particular, but other people with neurooptometric issues. So thank you so much for doing what you do because I heard for years nothing was wrong and I knew um, when I'm not seeing correctly and um, my eyes are darn near 20-20, that something else was going on.
1: Certainly, well, when there's a neurological event, people will frequently have visual symptoms, and it can be symptoms such as double vision, blurred vision that's intermittent. Um, They can have problems with visual fatigue and eye strain. It can trigger off headaches. It can cause indirect problems, of spasticity and dysfunction of muscles in their neck, their back, and elsewhere in their body that they don't necessarily understand as related to the visual process can also cause problems with depth reception um, interfering with where they think a step is or an object is so it causes them to think of themselves as being clumsy bumping into objects that they know that they have had experience with avoiding previously like walking through a door Mm -hmm. and now they're constantly bumping into the door jamb these are the type of problems that people don't often think of in terms of their vision. Problems with their balance are usually assumed to be a vestibular problem, right. when in fact the visual process has a great deal to do with understanding where things are in space and how you posturally align upright against gravity. Yeah. So we've adapted uh, our evaluation to understanding the visual process from a brain's perspective as opposed to do two eyeballs, just simply line up on a target. And uh, does a person have 20-20 acuity? People can have 20-20 acuity, but still trip over the threshold of a door, or get in their car and bump into an object or hit a curb as they're driving out of a parking lot. So it's understanding the brain's perspective of space first, and then overlaying the ability of the person to have visual acuity on top of
0: that. Wonderful. Um, that's a lot we could talk about there, but uh, a lot of our following with Texas Lyme Alliance is the result of a uh, newly discovered treatment for Lyme disease called disulfiram, or uh, the um, market name Antibuse. Um, how have you seen patients using disulfram to treat Lyme disease help or maybe sometimes even hinder the eyes or brain processing and vision.
1: Well it is a wonder drug and it has been used successfully by a number of practitioners in the United States and I believe elsewhere internationally. Yes. It seems to be making progress uh, where other drugs have been limited. The use of any drug to treat the condition of Lyme disease can be effective in treating the cause of attacking the spirochetes. The larger the kill factor in the spirochetes, Mm -hmm. often the better the result of affecting the Lyme disease as a cause. But when Lyme or a tick-borne infection, as I prefer to discuss it, um, when a tick-borne infection interferes with visual processing in the brain, it causes the visual process to become dysfunctional. In the chronic stage, what occurs is the visual process will then start to compensate. And once it starts to compensate, it creates habits. There are two visual processing systems. The one that we use to see with is the second visual processing system that we're all born with. So when you're looking at a person and you're trying to listen to what they're saying or you're looking at your computer And trying to identify letters to words to sentences to paragraphs and meaning and comprehension That's the higher visual process related to higher perceptual functioning and cognitive functioning It's the executive part of the visual process the first visual process that we're born with is not that process the first one we're born with is a spatial visual process that comes from the peripheral visual system, and it delivers, or delivers much of the information to a lower part of the brain, midbrain, to try to match up with information coming in from the muscles and the joints, trying to deliver to the brain information about what it feels like to be upright against gravity. Okay. This information is pre-programmed into the brain, into the frontal lobe, parietal lobe and the occipital lobe before an image is ever seen so um, by the time you say that that's a pencil your spatial visual process locked onto that as a vertical line and matched up with incoming information from proprioception feed forwarded into the brain to pre-program the brain before you could say that's a pencil that's how fast it is yeah so when this portion of the visual process is compromised it interferes with pre-programming so think of this as a table platform base you know when we sit down to dinner thanksgiving or christmas dinner or whatever and you put the food and the plates out on the table who pushes back from the table and says wait a minute this is one heck of a table you've got under here yeah we concentrate on all the details the meal but when we have a dysfunction to the platform base Mm -hmm. it's kind of like sitting down at a table with three legs Mm -hmm. and when that happens the higher visual process tries to compensate and it takes over isolation on detail
0: okay
1: which then becomes a compensation so now just because you have Lyme disease and you're treating with any medication and you treat and you get a higher kill off rate on the tick borne infection. Yes, doesn't mean that you've reset the basis of how the person uses vision
0: because of coping skills that you explain. Habits
1: are kicked in through yeah. compensation. So what happens with many of our patients is that they go through treatment and maybe they get a clean slate from the blood testing, mm-hmm. saying that now they're over the Lyme disease. They come back and saying, why am I still having the symptoms? Okay. And that's because the visual process needs to be reset and rehabilitated.
0: Okay, and that's what you do here. Uh, Before I forget, can you remind people how to obtain this information and get in contact with you?
1: Sure. Well, you can go to my website, which is padulainstitute.com, all one word, Padula Institute, P-A-D-U-L-A. It has quite a bit of information in there about vision, visual processing, and its dysfunction related to different types of neurological events, including tick-borne infection. Um, Understanding the basis around the visual process is really the key. The difference is that in optometry and ophthalmology, we developed uh, our concept of analyzing vision and treating vision based on 20th century concepts. Okay. And much of what's being done in optometry and ophthalmology for assessment of vision is based on the way we developed examination techniques in the 20th century. Well, there's a lot that's happened in the latter part of the 20th century in terms of understanding Mm -hmm. brain processing. And what we've done here at the Institute is, number one, we've done research based on brain processing, neuro processing, as opposed to acuity and binocular function. Mm-hmm. So we understand how these two visual processes have worked and we've developed a model of assessment and rehabilitation and treatment based off of dysfunction of brain processing, not eye muscle problems. Okay. So if you're looking at visual processing strictly from a binocular perspective, it's very important it's not always going to have the benefit to the patient in treatment if you're just concentrating on binocularity
0: meaning the eyes the eyes eyes and
1: muscle function okay so you can diagnose a convergence problem Mm -hmm. and if you try to treat it as a convergence problem you're going to have minimal effect when this processing dysfunction is happening in the brain so when there's a neurological condition You've got to understand that the spatial visual process is often compromised. If you try to treat a convergence insufficiency, which is a characteristic of a spatial visual processing problem, by doing pencil push-ups and binocular training and pushing the person to work harder with the wrong process, the focal visual process of seeing detail and working harder to use that, you'll essentially embed the problem you have to approach it from a completely different perspective. The spatial process when it's compromised has to be reestablished in terms of organizing space mm-hmm. and when you do that you'll often find that a convergence difficulty where a person was getting double vision at 18 inches suddenly will shift into the person being able to converge to four or five inches without having to do any type of therapy.
0: That's, amazing. that's because
1: you're working with the cause of the problem as opposed to a characteristic. Okay. So we differentiate the characteristics of the eye muscle problems, the tracking problems, the quick eye movement problems as characteristics, mm-hmm. and look to see how the brain dysfunction is causing those characteristics. Treat the brain processing problem, and then allow the visual process to rehabilitate on its own.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And
1: we do have therapy approaches, but they're very different than vision therapy approaches. Okay. We involve movement, posture, such in in the type of therapy we do, it's called neurovisual postural therapy, where we engage the proprioceptive base of support with vision, and that reestablishes the visual-spatial process.
0: That's fantastic. I was trying to find on your website, I noticed there was a Flag upstairs. I took pictures and posted for my followers, but talks about a lot of the symptoms that a tick-borne illness patient might find with uh, neuro-optometric issues.
1: When the spatial visual process becomes compromised, the focal process isolates the world as detail. Okay. So for those of you that don't have problems with vision as a compromise from a neurological event, when there is this processing dysfunction that changes focalization from an isolated area from where you're looking, and spatial process and seeing in the peripheral vision, um, I reckon it to, or, or give an analogy to, it's kind of like a donut donut when you go to a store to buy it you want a big fat donut with a little tiny air hole okay so if you went into a store and you said I'd like a donut please and they handed you this little skinny donut with a giant air hole you'd say I don't want it well think of the central area of the donut the air hole is the area that we normally focalize in and we let the rest recede to space so when you concentrate on me now you should be having an area of focal detail in the peripheral visual system takes over in the periphery and doesn't isolate down onto this pad or the telephone or the lamp Mm -hmm. and now i've just identified those areas so now they're popping out in your visual field when a person has a visual compromise of the spatial visual process it's termed post-trauma vision syndrome that's the research that i did and the term that i gave it Everything turns into detail. So what happens is the air hole or actually expands. It takes over the area of spatial context. In another analogy, it's kind of like driving in, at night in a snowstorm. And you know how difficult it is to see the road. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if you, by mistake, hit the high beams? Suddenly you have a meteor barrage of snowflakes coming yeah. at you. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot see the road. That's what it's like to be in post-trauma vision syndrome for persons experiencing a spatial visual processing collapse. Mm -hmm. The world turns into detail. These patients are fine so long as they're sitting still and nothing else moves. Mm. But the moment they get involved into an environment where there's a busy moving environment, this becomes chaos to their visual process, and many of them cannot tolerate the movement.
0: Overwhelming.
1: So when you ask, when I ask patients, well, what's it like when you go into a supermarket at 5 o'clock? The answer that I get back is, well, well, doctor, I don't go to a supermarket at 5 o'clock. And many of these patients live by themselves. Mm -hmm. So I say, well, you know, when do you do your food shopping? Many of the patients set their alarm to 2 o'clock in the morning and go to an all-night food market so they don't have to deal with movement in their peripheral vision. A windshield wiper or rain on a window as they're moving toward it in a car becomes too much information for them to handle. I have patients that if you slide a piece of paper toward them, they'll go into body jerks and have seizure-like reactions because the movement triggers off a release of, a, of an abnormal, um, abnormal reflex pattern okay. that they have supposedly integrated but it allows the reflex to come through okay. causing them to go into a body jerk. So these are all symptoms that can occur when the visual process gets compromised being light sensitivity is really not a light sensitivity it's too much information coming into the visual process when you treat them for post trauma vision syndrome and the spatial visual processing dysfunction frequently their experience of threshold of what they're tolerating with light comes down so they can tolerate sunlight then and all you've done is treat them with prisms to rebalance the spatial visual process
0: how successful have you seen Um, neurologically affected patients have with your uh, prism glasses, rehab?
1: um... Well, success is not based on terms of just a statistic. Right. It's based on what you set for the goal of the person. Okay. So for each person that comes in, we have to set a different goal. So for some individuals, like we had one person that came in yesterday with Alzheimer's disease, a quality of life around the goal, okay improving quality of life. But yet, for another individual that's trying to accomplish um, getting back into school and being able to take courses, there's a different quality of life issue, Right, trying to set a standard with regards to what they're able to accomplish with regards to reading or being able to shift their eyes from a distant board back to their plane of where they're taking notes so each person has their own set of goals and we try to set a realistic goal for the patient and we have to reestablish what the terms are for communicating what my goal is for the patient and what the patient's intentions are they have to understand that they need to set a series of steps in order to reach their goal and not just think of the treatment through neurovisual processing rehabilitation as a magical cure. It's a rehabilitation process.
0: Sounds collaborative with the patient as well is what I'm hearing. So that's always very important for Lyme patients or neurologically affected patients um, to hear. So very, um, uh, we would set that as a success working with you. Uh, of, a, of a marker that you collaborate with patients. That's wonderful. Um, I was really impressed over the last few days uh, hearing from Dr. Padula how um, you do the testing. It's way more extensive than we go once a year to our regular optometrist. Uh, very detail oriented. Um, a lot of different things that I've never seen before. Really interested that you are taking on athletic programs within your um, uh, base of clientele. Can you tell our followers a little bit about that? My son is a pitcher and sure. very baseball driven. I think that's one of the reasons I got him to come at 17 was that it might help his batting. Um, and uh, I really appreciated how you approached your program with a 17-year-old young man who just wants to be with his friends in Texas. So. Yeah.
1: Just to um, key into something that you said, with regards to your son, as with all patients, I try to link into what their goals are. Okay. And your son's goal was clearly not to improve upon his skill for reading and writing, it was <laughs> something different. So I used that as a vehicle to try to identify how I was gonna bring forward my understanding of neurovisual processing to him, to get him to at least understand that If we're going to approach his batting, I can also help him with his reading. Yeah. So um, a little bit about some of the different areas that we use to test with. It's not so much about does a person have 20-20 acuity, as I mentioned. Um, We look at areas of the visual process a little differently. So what appears to be the standard part of a visual examination and even more in depth we're really looking at how two processes of the brain respond to organization of binocularity. We do visual evoked potential, which are waves tests of the visual process, and we look to see how the brain processing of the spatial and the focal process are integrated or where there's dysfunction and how that relates to binocularity. And we also do um, testing of vision in relationship to posture, balance, and movement. So we have an instrument called the NeuropTrek, which is an instrument that I created. And the person right now walks on a gait mat, which measures all the balance points and quantifies it for the purpose of understanding where the visual midline is shifted and how it affects shift in the center of mass center of mass is a point just below the navel in the adult and a little bit higher for the child and when you have equalization of gait imbalance and weight shift during ambulation the center of mass stays in one position right between the two feet when it's out of balance it, it can be shifted by the visual midline medial laterally or an anterior posterior and it relates to abnormal shifts in posture that can affect balance and movement object localization and can relate to depth reception so we measure this on the gate map and then it tells us exactly how to utilize prisms to bring the midline and the center of mass back into a more centered realignment mm-hmm. and then we can measure the changes with the prisms and show immediate output from the prisms and show the benefit of how those prisms are utilized. Same thing with the visual evoke potential. Once we understand the neurovisual processing dysfunction from the, the evaluation, we can apply those prisms immediately and see changes in brainwave function, which bring the brain waves of the two visual process back into better balance. Mm-hmm. So we quantify everything in the examination. So most eye examinations are really not evidence-based, but the neuro-optometric, or our neurovisual processing evaluation is all evidence-based. We can show quantitative changes on visual evoked potentials, as well as gait balance studies immediately. And then we utilize that information to make clinically-based decisions on how we wanna utilize those lens prisms and other rehabilitative techniques for the purpose of helping the person meet their short-term goals and then their long-term goals.
0: Thank you, that's wonderful information. Um, Today is our third day, my son Tucker and I here at Dr. Padula, so I'm real interested to hear at the end of today uh, how you are going to suggest that we change our rehab or our treatments. Do you ever see patients Um, that clearly have a lot more um, infection or um, viruses to clear that at the end of your um, evaluation and examination do you say i think you need to keep seeing your limelar physician to uh, involve more treatment to where your vision can improve or do you see where you can help improve vision while someone still remains very sick with any kind of concussion or tick-borne illness.
1: Absolutely, I just wanted to finish up on your previous question, which sure. I don't think I completely answered. Okay. And you had asked a little bit about the athletics, and yeah, okay. Once you understand neurovisual processing, okay, as an organization in the brain, you can apply it to anything. Yeah. You can apply it to flying a plane. Uh, You can apply it to acrobatics and gymnastics. You can apply it to hitting a baseball, um, being aware on a soccer field, Mm -hmm. how to develop timing and relationship to throwing a football or catching it or being aware of which players are open downfield. So it can be applied to the benefit of the athlete as well as to the benefit of a person that has a neurological event. That's causing a compromise to the system. So, whether it's rehabilitation for a person with a, a neurological event or enhancing visual skills for an athlete, it can be applied in many different areas. And that's what we do here. Now, getting uh, back to what you just asked, from the very start of the evaluation, we're probing not just the neurovisual process, but its relationship on neurology brain function, and systemic function. We often have patients come in here with onset of symptoms Mm -hmm. that don't know what the cause is. Okay. And as we peel back the layers of understanding the dysfunction, we're often coming up with the potential that maybe it's related to a cervical imbalance after they've had a concussion and no one's paid any attention to a cervical problem. Mm -hmm. And We'll make a referral out to specific individuals that know how to analyze that. Okay. We often un- uncover after a whiplash that a person has had a concussion affecting visual processing, but that their symptoms are being caused by something like an occipital neuralgia, an inflammation of a nerve that's based from the neck that nobody pays attention to, that comes up on both sides of the head and comes across to the frontal area
0: mm-hmm. and can
1: cause pressure and pain in the eyes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll refer out to specialists that deal with occipital neuralgia. And often there are concussion cases that come into us complaining that they've now been through the concussion treatment and that their symptoms persist. Mm -hmm. And after going through the analysis, there are certain biomarkers that I've discovered that show statistical significance in the eye that are related to tick-borne infection. We made diagnosis for a number of individuals that have had concussion and other problems that are really tick-borne infections. So when we then tell the person that we want to do a mm. study to mm. analyze and rule out Lyme disease, um, based on our tick-borne um, biomarkers, out of, I think right now, 35 subjects, 30 of those subjects have tested positive for tick-borne infection. And that's just based on the biomarkers that we picked up from the eyes, not based on blood tests. But when we do the blood tests, it corresponds and correlates positive with our tick-borne biomarkers in the eyes. So it's another way in which we're using to approach this. So we're constantly looking out for the well-being of our patients and recommending either continued care. We sometimes refer back to the treating physician of a Lyme disease after the doctor has released them because we'll see signs on the biomarkers that suddenly trigger off increased symptoms and we then send the person back for further evaluation and potential treatment.
0: Very interesting, I wanna talk about, but I was really impressed that you're working with different national and international athletic teams to help improve their athletic performance? Sure,
1: I'd be happy to do that. I'm working in an alliance with um, another doctor right now. And um, we are working with several international soccer teams, um, s- several university football teams and high school teams, as well as individual athletes, both pros and individuals around the country and okay. around the world. Yeah. Um, I just got off a two-hour conference call this morning before we came in for this interview. And we're developing a new method of assessment of uh, screening and understanding these athletes' visual neuro process and where dysfunction lies. So we're utilizing a new technology, which I'm not going to really disclose here, yeah, I was it's,
0: wondering.
1: it's head and it will analyze visual processing in real space. Um, And it can do it for the particular sport as well as the athlete's position. So each athlete, in terms of their position and sport, has a different set of skill levels that they have to develop visually as well as a different level of demand. And we're analyzing these specific skill levels Um, that's looking very encouraging at this point and hopefully this will be out at some time in the very near future.
0: How uh, optometrists can learn more about what it is that you do here and how they can advance getting patients like my family better help. I see that there's a huge need out there so I'm calling on the medical community in optometry to um, come to see Dr. Padula's website and a whole section on training workshops.
1: Well, on my website um, is a 50-hour course that I ran several years ago at the Shepherd Rehabilitation Hospital in Atlanta for optometrists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists, physicians, and psychologists, as well as nurses. And we ran this program over uh, a period of about a year and a half where doctors came in for three different levels of treatment. So you can become part of that, um, that interaction and actually go through the entire course and take tests at the end of each level to develop some level of competency or understanding of this area of neurovisual processing. Uh, The course was done to talk about neurological events in general, not specifically Lyme-related or tick-borne infection. There is another course that I gave at the Neuro-Optometric Rehabilitation Association several years ago where I gave a Lyme vision symposium, and that was an eight-hour course. And I believe that was videotaped and is on the Neuro-Optometric Rehabilitation Association website, NORA website. So you can log on to that and get a more specific understanding of the relationship of vision to uh, tick borne infection. I'm conducting workshops presently in Europe, uh, soon to be conducting a series of workshops in Canada, perhaps some back in the United States again. So um, you can contact the Institute or uh, me directly and I can keep you oriented to uh, to those workshops as a possibility. Okay. I've also written a book called Neurovisual Processing Rehabilitation. Thank you. An Interdisciplinary Approach um, is available. I think you can get it. I don't know if it's through Amazon, but I know it's available through the Institute and um, I think the Optometric Extension Program and probably through Nora also.
0: Okay. Uh, I know this is just, it's a lot of annoying symptoms that I have. I see okay, but blurry, twitching, you know, all these things come and go on a daily basis and there's no help out there. So I'm so grateful for what you do because patients just go on and on suffering with no help, especially international patients. I have a lot of people that have contacted seeing my post on Facebook that I was here.
1: Well, first of all, I wanna bring hope to those patients. There there are doctors that understand how to look at these processing disorders. And the first thing you have to know, to know is that when you have a tick-borne infection, it affects your body and it affects your brain, especially when it goes chronic. There are signs in the eye, but the problems that you're having when you have symptoms are not eye problems. Unless, of course, there you develop a conjunctivitis or an iritis or some other eye problem, but those aren't going to cause your symptoms of double vision or eye strain or having problems in a busy, crowded environment or light sensitivity or visual smell. Those are problems of imbalances in visual processing. I invite you to, to come to the website to go to some of the lectures that I've given online and that others have given about neurovisual processing. I've probably done a number of lectures more on the area of Lyme or tick-borne infection related to visual processing dysfunction. You're welcome to review those. Try to understand them in relationship to the brain and understand your own problem as a brain processing problem. Sometimes it helps just to provide some structure to your vision. The less movement that you have in your peripheral visual field, the better off most people are. So try to protect yourself from being exposed to environments where there's lots of movement and changes in light, stimulation, or too much sound. When the visual process goes over focalized on detail, so does your auditory process so sound will appear amplified. You're gonna have problems listening to a conversation with background noise. So protect yourself from these type of environments. Dim the lights in the environment that you're in. Give yourself more protection to the visual process. The more you protect it, the more function that you will have. If there's any way in which we can help, um, I wouldn't hesitate to contact us. Our email is wvpadula, P-A-D-U-L-A, at padulainstitute.com. And perhaps you can put that up as an overlay.
0: Yes, sir, I will. And
1: offer people the opportunity to write in. I'd be glad to answer their questions.
0: That's wonderful. And I also wanted to mention out there for the medical community that watches some of our... um, post that um, there are case studies on his website. As you may know, Texas Lyme Alliance is very proud of being science forward, and we invite you all to come and learn from the Padula Institute and see how you might be able to help additional patients with Lyme complex, tick-borne illness, stroke, Parkinson's, any of these other neurological issues that people are having Uh, Optometric issues or problems and challenges that limit them in their daily life that you can help and uh, Forward the hope that dr. Padula speaks about today. We're so grateful for doctors like this that take into consideration the holistic uh, approach that there's a lot more uh, to meet the eye than Segmenting the body parts. This isn't as you're hearing today in ocular issue. This has a lot to do with the neurological effects of um, complications and challenges that people experience. So thank you so much for watching today. Uh, Please like our um, post here and subscribe to our channel and um, extend that hope to someone else today and share this video. Thanks, Dr. Padula. I really appreciate your Time and sharing your knowledge, experience, and decades of dedication to your community. We really appreciate you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.